This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. AM 570 KLAC, 987 KYSR, HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. AM 570 in LA sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Peterson. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney Rodney Peterson. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. We continue on. Fred Rogan, Rodney Pete on AM570 LA Sports. Later in the hour, uh, the Dodgers getting ready to wrap things up. You'll hear the game tonight. You'll hear the game tomorrow. And then we get ready for the playoffs. We don't like the playoff system. They haven't even started and we don't like it. We'll explain why we don't like what's going to happen in the playoffs. It'll all be fine for the Dodgers, but we just don't like the system, Rodney. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not fine for the Dodgers. Not fine for the Dodgers. I mean, look, we, we take all comers. That's not what we're talking about. But you should be rewarded for having the best record in baseball and, and finishing the number one seed. You should be rewarded for that. And there's not a reward here. Okay. If it plays out a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get to that. But now let's bring on our NFL insider and our dear friend Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Hey, imagine being a Met fan, which is what I am. Um, leading the division the entire year up until Sunday, uh, and now uh, it looks like it's going to be the wild card. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, we're, that's about, what, like 99 games or something like that, and they're going to be the yeah. wild card, which it's just, it's, I think the only saving grace is that all three games would be at City Field, if I read the fine print correctly, because it's so confusing. Uh, but it looks like as the number one wild card seed, they'll get the first three games, or all three games of the wild card in there um, against the Padres, it looks like. So you crazy. think about it. I mean, Atlanta was tanking. They were horrible by the all-star break. And then uh, Snicker had a little uh, Snicker with them. And uh, they, st- <laughs> they started playing. they like, if you guys don't start playing, that team up north is going to run away with the division. And since the all-star break, the Atlanta Braves have just been on fire. Every time I looked at the score, they were winning. It's like they'd never lost. It was the, uh, it was the craziest thing. Three, to three teams from the uh, National League East going to the playoffs, so that's pretty uh, that's pretty crazy too. But let, just I'm, I'm curious, what's the gripe for the Dodgers, or do you guys want to wait until you yeah, know later on to get into that? Just yet, Benny. We're not going to. Okay, do that. gotcha. Stay I'm going to be listening. I'm going to be Stay listening because now I'm curious. Yeah, and, and the other side of that is put it this way, Benny. Sorry, Fred. Put it this way, Benny. It should be just like football. Football's got gotcha. it right in playoffs. Right. There's your cheat. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the other I'm side of that is, by the way, you're not sure if the Padres are going to be there or not, because the Phillies are right on their heels. So the Phillies could jump, jump the Padres. That's true. Yeah. Today. Exactly. So, hmm. Could be Phillies. I don't know who I'd want to face. Yeah. Could be Phillies and Mets or Padres and Mets, but that'll be determined by tomorrow. All right. Okay. Sounds well, good. Let's get to the Rams. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Our assessment again: the 49ers punched them right in the head. Same exact thing, ran the ball down their throat. Uh, Matthew Stafford did not look good. 
bottom line. But he's got problems on the offensive line. Defense didn't look good. All of that said, what shape are the Rams in? Well, um, you know, it's so interesting that you bring this up because just yesterday I was talking to Josh McDaniels about where the how teams are using the first month of the season now. And, Rodney, you probably can appreciate this because, you know, not too long ago uh, when you were playing, things were handled so much differently. Like in training camp, there were more practices. There were more physical practices. Guys played in the preseason. Um, so you got, to a, you got to the starting point of a season uh, with a little bit of better idea of who you are and where you need to be. Whereas now, what Josh McDaniels was, was telling me yesterday is that teams use that first month of the season kind of as a continuation uh, of training camp and the preseason and trying to figure your, yourself out. Because you don't practice as much. You definitely don't practice as much in pads. There's no tackling uh, in training camp. The guys rarely play now in the preseason. So it's not to say that that period is useless, but think of all the reps of two-a-days uh, and longer practices that you're giving up uh, that you had back in the day that you don't have now, and it's it's almost a continuation. So I'm not going to be freaking out right now about the Rams where they are. I do, you know, their offensive line right now is kind of in shambles. There's some injuries that have contributed to that. We've already talked plenty about uh, the loss of Andrew Whitworth and that and what that and what that means. But they're also, you know, uh, flip flopping centers and guards. Guys are getting hurt. So uh, it's it's a definite work of progress along the offensive line. And to me, that's where they got beat up the most yesterday. Yeah, and you got to look at it. I think if you're a coach and you're in, a, in a, an organization, you got to look at it at a case-by-case basis. Not that, mm-hmm. okay, it's the era of no, nobody plays in preseason. Um, and I get that. But if you're a veteran team, you can get away with that. But if you're not and you've got a bunch of new players – then I think it's important to have some preseason games and some preseason snaps. I think we look up and see the teams that are struggling right now offensively, and it really affects the skill guys when you don't play, right? It, it affects the skill guys, and they get off to a slow start because you want that, that continuity, you want that familiarity with the guys that you're throwing the ball to or handing the ball off to. To, to start the season, and if you don't get that, it could be in trouble. We see that with Aaron Rodgers and his receivers. I think it would have been important for him to play a couple preseason games or play, you know, practice more in, in the in training camp with a whole new set of receivers and young receivers that he's got to get used to, which is why they're struggling. Allen Robinson and Matthew Stafford playing together. You can see how out of sync they are, Benny. So it's, I think it, it's just – I think people are caught up into, okay, we're not going to play our veterans, we're not going to play any of our starters and, and priests because everybody else is doing it, and you don't look at it as a case-by-case basis. I completely agree, and, and you know, I had conversations with Sean McVay about that um, you know, a few years ago, and he said that he, and, and his whole thing was it's not a hard-line rule that he had. It fit the team that he had. Well, right. I don't necessarily think that this, this group – fit what, you know, had been the last couple of years. So whereas an Andrew Whitworth, you don't have to worry about Andrew Whitworth um, or Robert Woods, you know, or Cooper Cup. Um, guys know, knew how to be ready at, at the start of the season and worked hard um, in, in practice and, and had familiarity and all that good stuff. Whereas this year's wide receiver group and some of the running backs and, and you know, definitely your Robinson not being on the same page. Um, with Matthew Stafford, you could definitely make a, a case that maybe they should have played in the preseason for sure. Okay, let's switch over to the Chargers. They uh, they nearly blew it in Houston, but they come away with a win. A win is a win. They're banged up. They're injured as well. I thought they'd have a better year than the Rams, Vinny. I'm not so sure now. 
Yeah, the injuries are just really problematic uh, for the Chargers because while they have, um, you know, kind of an all-star team um, at, uh, in the front line, uh, it, 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 after that, you know, their depth is a little bit uh, suspect, especially along the offensive line and, you know, uh, and, and going as deep as they've got, had to go at wide receiver. There's some other positions, um, you know, that, that they're banged up at. So, um, you know, you become pretty ordinary pretty quick in the NFL if you start losing some key guys, because really and honestly, that's what that's the separator uh, in the NFL. The star players ultimately are going to kind of dictate, you know, who the best teams are. And if you are losing star players and having to, you know, to go behind them, there's a reason a lot of those guys are behind, you know, starting players. No disrespect to them, but there's only a few Joey Boses uh, out there, you know, um, uh, and, and Boses and those type of guys. So um, it's 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 tough. And and here's the one, I guess thing about it is nobody still is running away. Buffalo didn't look all that great. You know, they, they kind of stuck out a win uh, last week. Uh, so the, the AFC is, is kind of a clump right now. Um, you don't know who the team is that's going to really just sort of get out there uh, and run out in front of everybody. There's a lot of parity right now in the NFL, and that's the other thing. Um, how many close games there are right now and, and, and the, the level of talent being sort of dispersed so evenly throughout the NFL um, it, this could literally be a case of who gets hot at the right time, who's the healthiest team uh, at the right time. And right now, it feels like a lot of teams are just slugging around in some mud right now. Yeah, they, yeah, they are. And and with the Chargers, Vinny, do you think that they're – I mean, I, I look at, yes, it's offensive line issues and, and Slater's out for the season, and, and that's going to be problematic for, for them going forward. And Justin Herbert is, is still banged up. I'm oh. concerned about him in the offensive line, whether or not he's going to be able to last the 17 weeks of the season. Because once you get the ribs and he got it early in the season, that's something that uh, it only takes a, a, you know, not a, not a big hit, but a, a relatively normal hit for him to have a setback with that. So, and what you're talking about with a shaky, shaky offensive line. And on talking about, you talk about parody. Um, I, I would agree with you for the most part until I basically saw, Kansas City played Tampa Bay the other night, and they look like they're on a different level right now than, than everybody else. They kind of, to me, broke out in that game against Tampa Bay. You would think, but they also got beat the week before, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. By, by, by the Colts. So um, I, I need to see a little bit more uh, from, um, you know, from the Chiefs to, to make that declaration. But, I mean, I'm not going to be surprised two weeks from now if we're sitting there saying, yep, it's the Chiefs. Uh, right now in the AFC, but I guess I wouldn't be shocked if we're not saying that either because it just seems to be such a week-to-week proposition right now. All right, you touched on your conversation with Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. They finally broke through. Where are they at right now, Vinny? Uh, Well, they're going to Kansas City uh, on Monday night, and uh, I'll tell you what, if they can somehow win, and that's going to be a, uh, a tough challenge without question. You know, then, then they go to the bye week, um, and they go to the bye week winning two straight games. And that looks – that two and three looks like a, looks a whole lot differently than had they won their first three games and lost their last two to go to the break. So it's kind of a, a, a mind trick, I guess, uh, on, on um, what, how they're going to hit that break. And if they do on a two-game winning streak after beating the Chiefs, uh, I think they're going to feel pretty darn good about themselves. But if you go into the break – one and four, and that's, you know, you're going to Kansas City, so you have to prepare for, for that reality. Uh, that doesn't look real good uh, either. Now, the, the schedule definitely does soften up a bit uh, when they get back from their break. There's a bunch of winnable games 
uh, that they're playing. But they're going to if they if they if they're one and four, they're going to leave themselves such a razor thin margin uh, of error moving forward. Uh, and as close as these games have been throughout the NFL, to expect anybody to just you know reel off eight straight wins, I mean you have to do a lot of things right. Uh, to get to that point, considering how many, you know, I, I wouldn't say great teams there are out there. I just think more like even teams. Uh, and so you have to play almost, you know, uh, uh, perfect football to give your chance to win, to give yourself a chance to win that many games in a row. And I don't know if any team right now has that in them, and, and certainly the Raiders, as flawed as they've been, especially when you're talking about execution um, and, and playing clean football, they haven't really been able to do that up until uh, Sunday. Um, and can they prove that they could do that over and over and over again, especially if you get to 1-4? That's, that's not a good place to be. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders are a team right now. They look, they look even though they got the win, they look, they look really out of sync, Vinny. And I would mm-hmm. probably – uh, be a little bit more concerned if they didn't have Derek Carr at quarterback. I mean, of of all the you know the guys, first of all, I, I think he's so underrated, and 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 doesn't get enough credit uh, as some of the other quarterbacks around the league. But he single handedly kept that organization together last year during all the turmoil and everything that was going on, and so I I, I really uh, admire him for that. And and if there's any anybody that can kind of keep them together during this time as they kind of figure things out it's Derek Carr um, and I think it's a big deal that he's got Devontae Adams with him is his longtime buddy and friend and family and basically their brothers um, with him along this ride um, do you think it's just a matter of that he and Josh McDaniels kind of working their way through this first year and they will eventually get it going um, I, I do. Uh, I actually do think that. And I think that, you know, all the things that you just mentioned about uh, Devontae, you know, I knew Devontae, watching him in Green Bay, seeing all the statistics. Uh, but, you know, if they're not in, in your kind of orbit, you know, you're all, all it is is highlights and, and numbers. You know, getting to know him, um, Rodney, he is a top-notch person, all right? And, and the reason I say that is because I think he understands, like, you know how wide receivers can sometimes be. You know how star players can sometimes be. If they're not getting the rock, if things aren't going uh, their way, you know, um, they can be, they can, they can, they can make them make that known that they're not happy. He's come in here and really has a great understanding of the fact. He even said this to the, uh, us the other day, like, everyone's pretty much talking about Derek and where I was with Aaron Rodgers. He goes, people have to understand that I played with Aaron longer in the NFL than I did with Derek in college. So what we worked toward and what we ultimately got to uh, in Green Bay was a gradual process. It took a few years to, it, to, to get there. And people are thinking it's just going to happen in three games here with Derek. That's not going to happen. That's not how it works. And so his understanding of the process and, um, you know, that it's going to take a little bit of time and understanding that and not, you know, um, you know kind of making life difficult or being vocal about it, or complaining or griping or you know how uh, if, yeah. if that was the case, how bad that could turn real quick. He's, he's basically the one that's telling everybody else, chill out. <laughs> it's going to get there. Uh, there's just some kinks that need to be worked out, and I think that really benefits the Raiders in this situation. All right, Vinny, let's switch over to uh, NFL concussion protocol now and uh, adjusting it. Is this okay. an overreaction? No, I don't think it's an overreaction. And I talked to uh, I talked to a couple of players about this. Um, you know, they want they want more. Uh, they want more to be done, and they feel that more uh, needs to be done. I was talking to Jakob Johnson. He's a, a, one of the Raiders player reps, um, and he's talking about you know the, the starting to use analytics to count uh, 
hits during practice, to count hits during games, um, and, and being able to study that and, and, and utilize that, those numbers. So they're not quite there from a player's perspective. There's still, there's still more that they want, you know, from the NFL. Um, and, and I think they're going to continue to fight for it. I think everyone's on the right path. And I think for the most part, everybody's heart is in the right place. Um, you know, I think the NFL understands this league is about the players. And if you don't take care of the players, short range and long range, you're going to have a big problem uh, on your hands. And now, especially in this age of information, players understand as well, like, you know, what are you doing to protect me? Are we utilizing all the technology? Are we taking every necessary step uh, to make sure that, that we're going to be healthy, not just now, but down the road? Um, and I think that they're, you know, working uh, toward that. And you can always do a little bit more. I also would urge, um, you know, that, that there's, it's a case by, it still is a case by case basis. As a, as a perfect example, um, Hunter Renfro has missed two games with a concussion. Andre Reed, the Raiders center, missed two games with a concussion. Nate Hobbs suffered a concussion against the Tennessee Titans <clears throat> a week ago and cleared protocols in time to play on Sunday. And I say that because they didn't rush Nate Hobbs through. He took every single test uh, and passed every single test that Hunter didn't pass um, leading up to his first missed game and then his second missed game and Andre James as well. And Andre told me, man, what they make you do is pretty extensive. Like he was, it's, it, it was his first time through the protocol and the, uh, the painstaking extent that they take uh, in order to get you cleared to play football uh, on Sunday is pretty extensive. Now you would hope that every team is going through that and following that protocol to a T. I think what happened in Miami was that it sounds like, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't know exactly all the details, but it sounds like there might have been a breakdown uh, along the way. I think that's pretty obvious that there was. And so we have to look at that in that prism and say, you know what, there's a breakdown there, but does that mean that the whole system is broken? I don't necessarily think that that's the case, although I do think that there's still more that we can do. And as more technology, more information uh, becomes available, you know, just follow the science and follow the doctor's advice so that we know that we're doing everything to keep these guys healthy. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that there was a breakdown and an isolated situation with Miami more so yeah. than, than the protocols and the system because we've seen that you just ran through a list of guys that have been out for a couple of weeks. And right. I've said this over and over again that a concussion, that's a two-week process because if you try to come back too soon, the least little hit is going to trigger it again. I and mean, I've had them and, and the following played the following week and go, man, that hit didn't hit me that hard. Why am, I, why am I dizzy? Why am I fuzzy? And it's because it's still lingering effects of the concussion I had the week before. So I get that. But I think just Miami handled it poorly. Uh, Vinny, real quick, I just want to talk to you about two teams. I want you to get your take on it because – I want to see what direction you think they're going and if they're for real. First of all, I want to say, is is Philadelphia for real? That's the that's the first team you take on them. And then how much trouble is Denver in? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> first for Philadelphia, yeah, I do think they're real. And I think that they're I think one of the reasons that they're they're real um, is that quarterback is really good. And I give so much credit to Jalen Hurts, going all the way back to college. You know, here's a guy that it didn't work out um, at Alabama. He never hung his head or anything like that, found another opportunity for himself, capitalized on it, wasn't the first-round pick, uh, but, you know, fought his way uh, and worked his way into a position to take that job. And look at him now. Um, that's, that's really a, an example of um, somebody that, 
didn't didn't cave in after it didn't work out somewhere else and fought and worked uh, and has put himself in a great position and really put the Philadelphia Eagles in a great position. That looks like a really solid team. Uh, hats off to their general manager. He's he's pretty smart too and uh, and always. Uh, knows what what is always, he always seems like he's a step ahead of everybody else. So uh, and I think they've got Houston's first round pick next year, which is like a the tenth pick right now projected to be like a top ten pick. So crazy how they're just going to keep getting better. The Denver Broncos, um, you know, I'm, I'm, here's the thing that I'm debating: is Russell Wilson on the on the wrong side of the slope now? Because I, I've watched all four games now, including yes, uh, Sundays against the uh, against against the Raiders and. It's, it just doesn't look like it's the same Russell Wilson. It's the same dynamic, uh, unbelievable arm, smarts, uh, legs, everything that could, just the whole package that could beat you. Or, or are they asking him to do things that really aren't up his wheelhouse? It, it, I've, I've heard this from some people in Denver. They're trying to, you know, uh, kind of force feed an Aaron Rodgers offense. Uh, with with Russell Wilson, and to me, that's like saying that's like asking Russell uh, asking Aaron to play um, Russell's game. That's not going to work. Um, and so I, I just don't understand when coaches, and I don't know if this is the case, it, but it feels like it might be. I don't understand when coaches try to make somebody you know uh, uh, do things that that they're not that doesn't take advantage of their great skill set. And Russell Wilson, to me, is somebody that. Just let him play the way he's able to play and take advantage of all of his skills and don't try to make him be some, something that he isn't just because it worked with a different quarterback someplace else. So I'm still not ready to make the determination on whether it's the, the former or the latter, but something doesn't seem right. And if, and if they don't get that squared away, <clears throat> along with some of the other issues that, that they have, including uh, losing Javante Williams, a great running back, um, yeah, I think that – I think that they, they may be the odd team out in that AFC West. All right. Vinny, great job. Great stuff as always. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a good one. You too. There goes our NFL insider, Vinny Bonsignor. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, so what's sticking in our craw ah. about the Dodgers Ooh. and the playoffs? Ah. What's got us a little heated here, a little steam? Ah. Let's get to it next. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is your partner, Big Boy! Big Boy's Neighborhood, Real 92.3, and you're listening to a Hall of Famer. Post philanthropist. This is my big homie man Rodney Pete and the man who thinks that Post Malone is a reference to an NBA era after the mailman retired, Fred Rogan. The pressure's taking over me, it's beginning to loom. Oh yeah, coming back to you on a beautiful Tuesday, Rodney Pete, Fred Rogan. How you feeling out there, people? How you feeling out there? And we wind down this baseball season. 
two more games, Fred. Yep. Uh, Dodgers lost last night. Do you care? I do. Do you? Want to win them all. I understand. Yes, I do. Every game matters, Fred. Every game matters, uh, some more than others, and those are the playoffs. And we're right around the corner. October 11th is when they'll get started. The game will be at Dodger Stadium. A couple of things about last night. Tony Gonsolin. How'd he do? Eh. Eh. Mixed. The fact that he even pitched, Fred, I thought was a win. That was, was good. a win for a Dodgers. Yeah, but now the Dodgers have to think about, okay, where is he and can we use him in the playoffs? That's the question. And right now, I think the jury's out. Got out there, got through a couple of innings. That was the good news. Yes. Not ready to start a playoff game yet. You don't not, think so? No, not ready. Not yet. So well, that means your playoff rotation goes back to uh, Julio, Kershaw, and Tyler Anderson. And, uh, you know, whatever else you can figure out, if need be. We don't know how Dustin May's doing either. So I think for, for Gonsolin, the good news, he was out there. Uh, the other side of the news, he was okay. And it's going to take a little more time. All right, what about Chris Taylor? Well, Chris Taylor's hurt. And he's been hurt. And he's trying to play through it. He's got a neck injury right now. And that's really tough. They don't know what his role will be when you get to the division series. And if he'll be ready to really go or not. And if he's not ready to go, they won't even put him on the roster. Dave Roberts didn't sound overly enthusiastic about it basically said it's a neck it's tough you know we just have to see how he's doing it's sore swinging the bat well if you can't swing you can't play and chris taylor has struggled this year yes he has especially after he came back from from the the foot injury um he certainly has not been the same and i know you know as we've mentioned several times on this show dave roberts is extremely patient with his guys especially guys that have produced for him in the past and he's been very very patient with chris taylor but to hear that you know ct3 has got another injury and his neck is bothering him um it's probably has something to do with his struggles you know he'll never admit it the dodgers probably will never admit it but certainly he did not look the same in the last uh you know last month and a half of this season he did not look the same and and so that's probably the reason why and that's going to be a tough decision but if he's not right then he can't play Okay, now what about Blake Trinan? Well, he had a productive bullpen session, and uh, Dave Roberts said there's a slim chance, a slim chance he could factor into the crowded Dodger bullpen, a slim chance. So that means you can't really count on him. But the way the bullpen is performing, it's going to be okay. And we're talking to NLDS. Yeah, we're talking division series. Division series, whether or not they can play or not. Right, get past that league championship series, you can rework the roster. You submit a new roster for every series. Yeah. So we're just talking about the first series out of the blocks. That is October 11th, and that is at Dodger Stadium. First game of that series. That's when they'll open the playoffs. Now to the playoffs. So the way it works with the added wild cards, Dodgers with the best record, they win the regular season. They're going to play the winner, as it looks right now, of the Mets and either the Padres or the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies would open up against St. Louis 
with the what if it plays the out seed. this the way. The Phillies would be the sixth seed. Correct. And in, in, in the in the National League. Right. So then they would play the St. Louis Cardinals, right. who who won the, is the third seed. Right. Who won the Central and the third seed. Correct. Right. So three and six. So that's that's how it works. And top one, two seed get the bye. Right. Correct. So that's that's fine. That part of it is is okay. And so three plays six and four and five play, which is the Mets and who else? No. Mets and Padres. Mets and Padres play. And Phillies. Right. Phillies play. St. Louis. The Cardinals. Right. The Cardinals, yeah. 3-6 play, which is Cardinals 3, uh, Philly 6. Right. And Padres and Mets, 4 and 5, play each other. Right. Now, the way it works in football is if, say, the Phillies were to win that series. Which is 6. Which is 6. Then they would play the Dodgers. Who are 1. Which, who are one, so the number one seed would play the worst seed of the remaining teams. Right. Right. And the way it works now, the way it's set up now, is that the Dodgers are playing the winner of four and five, regardless of who that is. Correct. Regardless if the Phillies beat the Cardinals in the series, the Dodgers are still playing four or five. So the Dodgers would get the higher-seeded team in the divisional round as as opposed to playing the worst team out there. Right. And, sucks. Well, yeah. Well, okay. I wasn't going to put it quite like that. Yes. But that, that's an accurate assessment. It does suck. And the, the system is flawed. And they should have thought. Very, very flawed. It's easy to switch that around and re- reseed after that, the first, the wild card round. They see how it plays out. Because if six is still alive, then the Dodgers, by having the best record in baseball and being the number one seed, should, pit, should play. The team with the worst record left, which would be the Phillies. Right. Baseball got this wrong. And that's the thing that's got us a little steamed here. I mean, look, you've got to beat good teams all the way through. You have no choice. you got to beat the good teams. And if they get in your way, you got to beat them if you want to win a world championship. But if you just look at how it's broken down, the Dodgers should play the lowest remaining seed as a reward for being the top seed. Yes. They should not end up playing four or five. Yes. And if the only way they should is if the, the St. Louis Cardinals end up beating the Phillies, if the Cardinals beat the Phillies, then it works out the way it point. should work out. Yeah. The only way this, this screws the Dodgers is if the Phillies end up winning that series. Right. Um, and that's not impossible, Rodney. No. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, we're we're talking what a three game series that can go either way. Uh, you know, you get a couple good outings by your pitchers. It's uh, it could be a wrap. So it can happen. And and these teams right now, they've kind of earned their way into this. And and one through six on both sides of the leagues can beat each other and beat each other up. So um, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that the Phillies could beat the Cardinals and the Padres can can beat the Mets. Or vice versa. What do you think will happen in that Padres-Mets series? Ooh, that's going to be a good one. That's going to be an exciting one. I think that's going to be one with uh, uh, a lot of 
feistiness is the word that comes to mind, Red, because the Padres obviously got a lot of attitude to them, and so do the Mets. The Mets got a little attitude to, to some of their players with Scherzer and Alonzo, and those guys have, you know, they have a little, little little attitude to them. And you got Machado and Soto on, on the Padres side. So I think it's going to be a very entertaining series uh, that I'm eager to watch. What about you? How do you think that plays out? Well, first you didn't answer if the, the question. Padres, if the Padres pitching, don't you do that to me, boy. But you didn't answer it. I said, who do you like in the series? I told you what I liked. You didn't pick. I told you what I liked. What team do you like? See, you didn't ask that. All right, what team do you like? <laughs> I happen to I happen to like the Mets uh, right now. I just think their their pitching is going to uh, is going to be able to help, to neutralize the offense of of, of San Diego. Um, but I will say that with a kind of an asterisk because if, if San Diego's pitching, which they do have good pitching when they're on, I mean, you think about it, if Musgrove pitches like Musgrove can sometimes pitch and the, Blake the, Snell can be Blake, Blake Snell. Like the operative term with Musgrove is sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That's the operative that's term. I think he's, but he's I, got electric and dominating stuff when he's on. And I so, think, I think you're right about Snell. I think he's a wild yeah. card. Yeah. Because he's looked better. He can like, shut you down. Yeah, he's looked he better. Sh- yes, he did. He looked great against the Dodgers. And what did yep. he go six and two thirds or seven innings? He went against the Dodgers. He can shut you down. And so if they get, you know, they they throw both of those guys at you. I mean, anything can happen. It's not you know, you got the Mets throwing throwing Scherzer and Degrom at you too. So are we sleeping on our old friend you Darvish too? Yeah, you Darvish could come in and shut you down too. Is he still playing? Yeah. Yes. Oh, Ray. stop He's it. Still is he stop still out it. there? And and effective he is. Yeah. I like the Mets in the series too, but I think in, in that one, it really comes down to Scherzer. That's what I think it comes down to. Because, you know, when he's good, he's great. But yeah. he was here. He can be hittable. He's hittable. I mean, he's hittable and... You know, at any point, he could just grab his arm and walk off the mound, too. <laughs> oh, we did that one time, Fred. Stop it. Stop it. He's done Stop it this it. year. Stop yeah. it. Yeah, he's, he's done talking it this about year. it in the postseason. He did that last year where his arm, dead arm, all that. Now we're going to make it like it's a regular thing. Like no, he, I'm just saying. Every, he, sing, every no, season he, in the postseason, his, arm was hurt his arm's going to fall off. No, it's not going to fall yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but let's arm. get through the postseason and see what happens in the postseason. I'm not talking about it in a regular season. I'm saying that happened in the postseason last year. Yes. And that's not labeled a guy as a guy that can't get through a postseason because he has a dead arm. Well, no, he just happened to get you know hurt and dead arm last year in the playoffs when he knew he was a pending free agent. That's what it was. He's locked up for at least another year in the New York. He's fine. He'll be just fine now. <laughs> he's good to go? Oh, yeah, he's good. Right. Pending free agent last year with the Dodgers? Oh, no, I can't press <laughs> But how do you think that works in his favor? Well, I mean, I mean if, he, if, he's got, if he's going to a pending free agent, you don't want to go into free agency with a dead arm. No, with I think with that, that being out there as a narrative about you. I think you'd rather have that than say, like, oh, his arm got – he's injured, and now we don't know what kind of contract to give this guy. We're not going to – he's not – he wouldn't get the contract he got from the Mets if he went out there and he actually got hurt. So I think he was sort of protecting himself. Who do you think uh, – who uh, do you think uh, the Dodgers have a better shot against, the Padres or the Mets? Either one. 
Yeah, I do. I agree with that. Either Probably one. the Padres. It's I think they have a psychological advantage over the Padres, even though they have the pitchers, and at times they pitch well against yeah. the Dodgers in the playoffs, specifically. Manny over there. I think the Dodgers have a psychological advantage over the Padres more so than the Mets. But I do think I would pick them over either team, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the uh, I think the Mets may feel, like to your point, I think the Mets may feel more confident, you know, uh, playing the Dodgers uh, more so than the Padres will feel confident about playing the Dodgers. I think the Mets feel with their pitchers, they can neutralize the Dodgers lineup, um, and confident about that that they could they could score a couple runs off our pitchers, and and their pitchers could shut us down. Yeah, I'll tell you something. I think if the Met, first, I think if the Padres are there, yeah, psychologically the Dodgers dominate. I I think you're right about that. But I think with the Mets, if they get to the point, if they beat the Padres, if it plays out that way, and they play the Dodgers. I think they feel an enormous amount of pressure. Just what happened in New York this year, the money that was spent, the expectation on that team. And they came up short against Atlanta. They led the East for a good yeah. period of time. and then they Yeah, most of the season. Yeah, now they fall short. I think they'll be feeling some pressure if they, if they get to this point to play the Dodgers. So I like the Dodgers against either one. I think it, um, honestly, I think it takes the pressure off of them by playing the Dodgers. Because... They would, they're going into it like the pressure on on them is is all on the Mets in this series. When it you know ends up the way it is right now, they're playing the Padres. The pressure is on the Mets to get past the Padres, right? But I think the pressure goes off of them a little bit if they play the Dodgers because the Dodgers are the number one seed. They went wire to wire. The Dodgers are everybody's favorite to win it all, and so if they end up losing to the Dodgers, it's like eh, they lost to the Dodgers. Right, so I think they can let it fly against the Dodgers without having that kind of pressure on them. Is it possible? Somebody asked me this last night. Can one owner own two teams in one league? In one league? In one league. It has happened. But we'll have someone give a speech about it. Oh. Next. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. LA's best sports talk weekdays noon to three. Bogan and Rodney. Yeah, they are. I see you, Ronnie, with a little Curtis Blow. Rodney Pete, Fred Rogan. Yeah. Come on. Rodney, so uh NBA preseason tipped off last night. What can you glean from it? Not much. Nothing. Nobody got hurt. Nothing. That's a good thing. Nobody got Kawhi hurt. Leonard looked good. Well, there's that. Mm. Kawhi looked like he was a guy that wanted Ooh. to play. Ooh. He missed playing. Forget how smooth 
and how good that cat really is. Yeah, if they, if they stay healthy, they are going to be right at the top of the West. 100%. Not even a question. 100%. And 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 people forget about, I mean, we all talk about those two, and, and well, we should, because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are, are the uh, are, are two of the best teammates out there when you talk about duels out there, and, and they both bring a lot to the table. But you know, oftentimes when you talk about the Clippers, forget about their supporting cast, Fred. Their supporting cast and their depth is as good as anybody. I don't think anybody's deeper. No. I really don't either. Game was in Scared Seattle. because playoff time, that's what it means. Yeah, well, Fred, yeah. don't do that. Well, I didn't know. I thought you were done. Freddie! Sorry. You know what? Kevin? My mistake. What did you do? I just jumped in. I jumped in. I didn't know Rod, Rodney was having Freddy a game of conscience. And then he gives you he gives you that uh that disappointed dad look. No. <laughs> <laughs> gives you that disappointed dad yes. dad shake of the head, no. Kevin. You know you've oh, seen I've it. I've seen it. You've seen it, yes. What what are you talking about? <laughs> They're like, ah. Okay. All I right. think we've all experienced yeah, put, that from yeah, Fred at one point. Just put a face to the sound I made. He used an imagine exactly. Fred's face. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Don't do it too much, Fred. Your face is going to stay that way. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Anyway, so the game was played in Seattle. Steve Ballmer put the game up there because he's yeah. from Seattle. He loves the people in Seattle. Mm-hmm. They love him. Yeah. Oh, why wouldn't they? Anybody that meets him loves him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was some talk that originally he was going to move the Clippers to Seattle. Of course, he's not going to do that because he's spending $2 billion to build an arena in Inglewood. So that would make no sense. But before the game, which was a Clipper home game in Seattle, Steve Ballmer addressed the crowd. I am so excited (laughs) to have a game in my hometown of Seattle, Washington! Kevin, hold on a second. I am so excited! Is there any way he could speak up a little bit? I love that guy. Possibly. I mean, could he I talk a little louder? Guy. I don't think anybody can hear him. Love him. All right, go ahead. To see Climate Pledge Arena, this fantastic building, light up tonight. I'm so excited that we're playing the Portland Trailblazers. I got to be honest, a lot of us wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Blazers. Paul Allen, founder of Microsoft, got me interested in basketball before he passed the owner of the Blazers. Thanks to all the Blazers tonight. And last but not least, I want to know whether you guys agree with me. I've watched thousands of basketball games in Seattle. CYO, little kids, AAU, pro, college, you name it. So if this is a basketball city, damn it, let's hear it! <laughs> oh, you know that's, I mean, if you know him, if, if you're someone from afar, don't know who he is, you're like, what in the world is this guy talking about? Why is he screaming like this? But you know him, like we do here in L.A., it is, it is him being real, but he also sounds like it's a Saturday Night Live skit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Chris Farley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Down in a van by the river. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So I ran that on Channel 4 last night. And Chuck Henry looks at me and he goes, is it possible? He said, do you think he'd move the Clippers to Seattle? I would absolutely not. Then he said, 
well, do you think he could buy a team in Seattle and own two teams? And I went, no, the NBA would never allow that. But you know, it has happened. Do you know what league has happened in? No. The MLS. In the MLS, no. there was a period of time where you could own multiple teams. Yeah. Uh, How do you do that? Phil Anschutz owned the LA Galaxy and the Houston Dynamo at the same time. When was this? How long ago? Eight, nine years ago. Oh, when the league was just kind of getting its feet wet. Yeah, now most of the guys that owned two sold one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was when they were trying to get the richest guys out there to own the team so they would be solvent and not go under, right? And right. so they, you know, they allowed that to happen as the league was trying to get its, you know, kind of get going. But that, that would never happen today. Maybe some startups and stuff like that. That's why they did it. But I don't, you know. Interesting. Yeah, one guy could not own two teams in one league. It wouldn't work. You could simply trade guys back and forth. That's yeah. it. Make trades a lot easier, wouldn't it? Co conflict of interest, right? Yeah. You hey. don't win. Uh, okay, we're out of it now. We're going to help you win. The other so, team, my other team. Right. So he's got a team in Seattle, and let's say they're playing really well, but the Clippers are out of it. Yes. Out of the clear blue, Kawhi Leonard's been traded to Seattle. Yes. And Paul George. Yes. And then after the season, they trade him back. Right? As soon as they're eliminated, okay. they trade them back. Yes. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't own two teams in one no. league. No, no, no. But Steve Ballmer obviously is a major voice in getting a team in Seattle. And I assure you at the Board of Governors meetings when they talk about expansion, yeah, that he is very vocal about putting a team in Seattle. And the two markets I think the NBA would expand to next would be oh, Seattle. It's not even a question. It's already done. And? Vegas. Vegas, yeah. Yeah. Vegas is done. Yeah. Vegas and Seattle would be the two teams. Yeah. 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 Could sure. you see a scenario, Fred, uh, where Steve Ballmer, he's building the arena. He has the Clippers. Let's say it's 10, 12 years from now. Whenever they expand to Seattle, he paid $2 billion for the Clipper franchise. How much will it be worth, say, 10 years from now when you have that entire development and the franchise together? Could he flip it? double his money or even more, maybe even triple it, and then just buy a, a Seattle franchise and do that. Do you think that would be possible? Yes. Do you think? It, I think that could happen. You think that's likely? Well, I don't say likely to happen, but you think it could happen. What, he sell the Clippers and buy the, and, and own the Seattle franchise? Yeah. Yes. And he makes so much more money than what he paid for the Clippers, which was $2 billion oh, at yeah. the time. Well, they say yeah. the, the Suns are going to go for $4 billion. So if that's And that's just the franchise. Sarver doesn't even own, was it Talking Stick Arena, wherever right. they play? Yeah. Right. Ballmer owns the building and owns the franchise. If he sells all of it together, I mean, how much money is that? Right. But then how much would the Seattle franchise cost at that time? It would cost less. It would. Less than what he would get for the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And you know what? Ram fans, please, I apologize. I can't remember. Who did the Rams trade franchise? Who? Who were the people that traded the Rams and the Colts? Was Carol Rosenblum? It's a little before my time there, Fred, so I'm not sure. Okay. The Rams and the Colts yeah. traded? Yeah, I believe that's what happened. They traded the Colts and the Colts and the Rams. The, Long time ago. Baltimore Colts and the Cleveland Browns traded. No, I mean, they traded franchises. Like the owners traded. Hmm. Ram fans know, and it, and it, it escapes me. But, yeah, that was a time where they traded franchises. I know uh, the owner of the Cavaliers would love to own the Pistons because yeah. he's from Detroit. Does all the business, quick and loans, and all that is in Detroit where he started. Right, and he's basically rebuilding downtown Detroit. Yeah. 
All right, so I found it, Fred. So uh, Robert Ursay, so Bob Ursay, now the owner of the Colts, bought the Rams in 72 and then immediately traded them to Carol Rosenblum, who was the owner of the Colts. So, yes, the Rams were traded for the Colts in 1972. Yeah. And it was Ursay that had the Rams initially. Yeah. So, you know, franchise trades have happened in the past, but to be fair, they weren't worth as much as they are now. So you'd have to consider a lot of factors if you were going to make a move like that. First place Dodgers take on the Colorado Rockies tonight at Dodger Stadium with the first pitch at 7. Listen to every play in HD on the free iHeartRadio app. The keyword's AM570 LA Sports. Stay healthy and stay strong. Get boosted. Visit myturn.ca.gov to find a booster near you. David Basset will join us in the upcoming hour. And we will also have some spirituality. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.